0: mm Pastors Cut Podcast. This is for the week of, and I'm pulling up my calendar. I don't even know what week we're recording for. What are we recording for, guys? Oh, November 27th, <laughs> 2022. I've missed you guys. I haven't Post been here. Thanks you. Yeah, we have missed you. Yeah, I've not been in the podcast for a while. I just had better things to do. Fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was I was traveling a little bit. I was sick one week. All that all that good stuff. So yeah. So it's good to see you guys again.
1: Good to see
2: you we got the band back together. We've got
0: the band back together. Let's go. So let's talk about, it's kind of the end of the year, but we're also looking at the beginning of next year, and we just made a few executive decisions here before going live with the podcast of what we're going to do on Wednesday nights. Wednesdays at first, we have a meal at five o'clock. We normally do breakout classes at six, and there's things for students and kids and preschoolers, all that good stuff, but we're going to tweak our schedule at the beginning of the year. And Dave, why don't you tell us more?
2: I would love to tell you all more. So starting January 18th, that's the Wednesday after Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we are launching midweek at first for the winter and spring semesters, and as we do that, we're going to do a master class style for the first six weeks where we'll look through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. As one large group, instead of splitting off into several smaller groups, we'll have one large class for all of the adults to get together, looking at the book of Ephesians. And this came about, really, we went to a workshop a few weeks ago with a professor from Oklahoma Baptist University, and I want to say it's Ricky Bobby, but it's not Ricky Bobby. It's Bob- Bobby Kelly. Yeah. Bobby Kelly. <laughs> close. That's yeah, close, good. but not yeah. at all. Um, he did a phenomenal job, just walking us through verse by verse. He crammed into five or six hours a good amount of information about the first chapter of Ephesians. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and then did did, it kind of shortchange chapter 6. But he he did a fantastic job. It was was life-giving for me as a teacher just to sit and let somebody else teach for a while, which I don't get that as often as I like. But while he did good, I think we can do better. (laughs) I mean, so he's got Ph.D. after his name. Who cares about that stuff? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to say this. If it takes longer to talk about it than it did to write it, I mean,
2: five or six hours. I think he was probably done by then, right?
0: <laughs> the first <laughs> but, chapter. But it's not only the text, it's the subtext. What is Paul yeah, really trying yeah, to yeah. drive home? And and Marissa, you had Bobby Kelly or Ricky yes. Bobby for a class back in the day. Yeah, and, I did. Yeah? yeah,
1: yeah. Had him for a few classes. So it's great to be sitting at his feet again.
0: Yes, he's a wonderful teacher. <laughs> and so, again, starting in January, we're going to pull all the adults together in one room. We might throw in just a little time of worship as well. And walk through the book of Ephesians. Now, backing up from that, we're getting ready, in fact, for November 27th. It's the first week of Advent, mm. which means the arrival is what that word means. It, it You pick it up in the word adventure. Uh, so Advent is kind of an adventure. Every year as we look forward to the arrival of, of Jesus. Um, but this year we're going to handle it a little bit differently. We're going to be in the book of Ruth for the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And you wonder, have I lost my ever-loving mind? <laughs> You think? No. Not at all. No? So not to give away the message, but um, I love the Mark Twain quote where he says, history does not repeat, but it does rhyme. Hmm. So history doesn't always repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And there's a lot of rhyme between Ruth's life and the advent of Jesus Christ, the arrival of Jesus Christ. I'll put you on the spot. Um, So what would some of those... Rhymes, be. I mean, here's an obvious one: both Ruth and the advent of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, happened in Bethlehem.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's right
0: there geographically. It, this happened in the very same spot. So I know I'm putting y'all on the mark right here. But <laughs> but where else? Where else do we see some rhymes between Advent and Ruth?
1: Yeah, it's just a perfect picture of God reconciling the nations to Himself. Um, of his heart for those on the margins of adoption, and we have the the image of the kinsman redeemer. It's a story of redemption and grace. That's right. Really appropriate to study it in Advent.
0: I mean, R- Ruth was an outsider, and so were the shepherds. You know who yeah. this is, and shepherds and the wise men, uh, the Magi. This is good news for all people, right?
2: You also have the the traveling outside of Bethlehem, going away from the promised land right. for a season and then coming back to it. Oh, very good. So Jesus
0: had to do that same thing as he fled mm-hmm. from, from Herod. Uh, I think the biggest overtone, the whole point of the book of Ruth, is to introduce David. Mm-hmm. So you have the, the lineage of a king. And so Ruth's story leads us to David, David's story leads us to Jesus. So mm-hmm. both are, are really looking forward to the birth of a king. So one thing we're gonna do during Advent as we look at Ruth, and I just I love... Um, this story. Can I can I give another Mark Twain quote?
1: Do it.
2: Come on, bring on Mark Twain. We're not that far from one who, of those who, stomping grounds. What's
0: <laughs> what's the book that that all the women love to read? Um, it's oh, I'm blanking out here. Are we you thinking Jane Austen? Jane Austen. Thinking? What did she what did she write? It's.
1: Pride and Prejudice?
0: Pride and Prejudice. That's oh, it. No, no, no. Is, hey, is I that, can't believe we got there. I, you got it. Look, based <laughs> well, on very little. Oh, was that? Chick
1: lit <laughs> author, Jane Austen?
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen. Here's what Mark <laughs> Twain said. He said, every time I read Pride and Prejudice, and this is after Jane Austen died, he said, I want to dig up Jane Austen and beat her over her skull with her shin bone. That's what he said. <laughs> Cute. Isn't that terrible? That's a terrible <laughs> Mark Twain quote. That's what he said. But every time I read the book of Ruth, I go, whoever this author was, mm-hmm. they did a masterful job telling the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do during Advent is actually each week we'll read a chapter of Ruth <laughs> it's in, in its entirety. Dave, I hope that's not COVID.
2: Oh, it's COVID leftovers. It's okay. fine. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> so, um, and Marissa will read a chapter each Sunday. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this. This is preparing for worship. Um, oftentimes when we read scripture in the church, we just all zone out. Not that I've ever done that, but it's it's just easy to zone out. So let's talk about how do we listen to the Scripture corporately. Let's give some guidance to our folks.
2: Wait, you don't zone out?
0: Uh, Not always. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of easy to go. Somebody else is reading, I'm just going to kind of coast for a while. So how do we stay in tune? How do we stay engaged?
1: Oh, I think we all have different learning styles, right? And some of us learn best by reading the words for ourselves, and some of us learn best by hearing those words so just putting ourselves in the mindset of these are the words that God has has uh, selected for us to get to know Him better, to reveal character aspects of Himself to us, um, and to look for the ways that God is revealing Himself through the words that are spoken. Um, don't just let it kind of don't just consume it, but do let the words wash over you and and listen intently to them.
2: Yeah, that's good. I, I would even pray in that moment, and say, "Okay, God." I hear them speaking words that are coming straight from scripture. Lord, speak to me through your word. I, I, I pray that, that your words would stand out that you want for me to hear right now as they're reading this together yeah. and, and let your stuff stick. That's fantastic. That's good and stuff. And we're not
1: gonna choose the bigots. We're not gonna choose the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Chronicles of the Law to read over you, you know, it's yeah. not gonna be the and, the and, hardest. <laughs> and it
0: is it is a narrative. And so mm-hmm. this is probably the easiest part of scripture to read. Engage mm-hmm. your imagination. I mean I I try to step into, and this is why The Chosen has been so popular, is it's taken these texts that we've heard before and it's, it's dramatized them just a bit. It's mm-hmm. been a great use of imagination. So picture what Ruth might have looked like. If there's a, a woman who's been visited with tragedy in your life, let that be the person that you picture when you see Naomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boaz, you know, if you have a, a, a heroic grandfather figure in your life mm-hmm. or fatherly figure, picture that person as Boaz. Create some imagination with this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to practice this right now. Uh, Marissa's going to read all of Luke <laughs> Luke 1.
2: <laughs> sure. We are, we are thinking
0: Advent. Hey. Yeah, I, just, I zoned out. I'm already zoned out. I'm pre-zoned out. <laughs> um, she's going to read Ruth 1. Where did Luke come from? Advent. That's right, probably it. That's it. So um, she's going to read all of Ruth 1. Let's be attentive as she reads, and then we'll walk through this first chapter. Marissa, go for it.
1: In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, after they had lived there about ten years. Both Malan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of His people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there were still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then he gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. As this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning.
0: Very good. Thank you, Marissa. And that's mm-hmm. a tough passage to read. So um, so let's get the background here, because all of chapter one really is a setup for the action that's about to happen. So uh, this is in the time of the judges, mm-hmm. and we will uh, be reading sometime next year the book of Judges in our midweek updates, but this was a time of moral compromise of spiritual laxity it just wasn't the best era for israel but even in this very dark time there were some bright spots and one of them we're about to see is naomi and ruth okay so just from as far as uh, far as a background set up here what's on your you guys minds i'm just not Working my words well today. <laughs>
1: You're doing great. You were,
2: you were totally fine. <laughs>
0: I'm zone. It's it's bad enough to zone out while somebody's reading the Bible, but then to zone out while you yourself are speaking—that's even worse. <laughs> okay. So just from the setup here, let's let's handle the first ten or so verses until we get to the uh, um, the uh, Leverite marriage. We'll handle that separately here in just a minute. But just the setup, what what stands out to you?
1: Yeah, just like you said, Judges was a chaotic time. There was anarchy. There was oppression. Um, periodically God would elevate a deliverer or a judge to lessen the pressure from the people. But these were very, very dark days in Israel's history, and a common refrain throughout the book of Judges is that everyone did what was right in his own eyes.
0: And there was no king in Israel. Right, right. Mm -hmm.
1: So Bethlehem, you know, that's the breadbasket of Israel. It literally means house of bread. So if there was a famine that so greatly devastated, devastated Bethlehem to the point where people were you know, becoming refugees from Bethlehem, that shows just how disobedient the people had become, that that this land of plenty and promise, and this isn't very far into Israel's history in the land. Um, If they had disobeyed God to that degree, it was a rough, rough time. Um, This place that was meant to symbolize God's abundance and blessing, that blessing had been removed from them.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, just to pick up on the echo of history, I mean, Ruth echoes to Jesus and even these things, uh, in times like these, it's important to remember there have always been times like these. You know, with the war in Ukraine right now, I mean, it is the breadbasket of Europe, and when that grain supply has been cut off, you see, and it's a breadbasket for Africa too, you see famine right now because that has been compromised, not by drought, but by war. And so these these things tend to echo down through history. Mm-hmm. Dave, what you got? Mm-hmm.
2: So one of, the, one of the issues that, that was present in, in the background, not only did they travel because of, of economic challenges, they, they went to a land that were distant relatives, but a land of child sacrifice. The, the practice that, that the Moabite people had for worshiping their God was through sacrificing their children to their God. It's interesting that Ruth or that Naomi loses her, her children oh. In the middle of that place. Mm. And then Ruth sees what's going on, and Ruth, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Ruth clings to Naomi to say, I want to cling to your God. I want to cling to your people. I know there is something so unique and so different about you and what's unique about something within your own soul that I'm going to cling to that, and I'm going to forget my history and my heritage.
0: Yeah, that is jumping ahead a bit, but I think that's worth noting here and, and to what degree did Ruth really understand what what she was doing at this point, but it is kind of a conversion experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of a relationship with Naomi that was a unique bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think we need to talk about leverite marriage here for just a moment because it's going to come to play later in the plot. And this is a, a cultural note that I think is very important to understand that if a, a woman was married and her husband died, then it would be the responsibility of the next oldest brother, to marry the, his brother's widow. And in fact, Jesus would encounter this with the Pharisees and they would you know, concoct this really odd scenario, but it was that brother's job to marry his his uh, deceased brother's widow and to have children for him in his name so that his name would not perish from the earth. Now, all this sounds to our modern ears a little bit creepy, but it really was a, a point of compassion mm-hmm. to say a widow would not be abandoned, that family would still take her in, but, with Naomi losing both of her sons, there was no option for Ruth and Orpah to remarry. And she said, mm-hmm. even if I get married tonight and I have sons immediately, are you going to wait 15, 20 years for them to grow up? No, you're not. Mm-hmm. And so really it's this sense of desolation, that, mm-hmm. that there are no options. And so what makes sense, what makes the most sense, is for Orpah and Ruth to go back to their homes of origin and maybe their families would take them back. Mm-hmm. All right. So... Now that we've kind of explained Leverite marriage again, that would come into play later in the plot with the kinsman redeemer. Uh, let's let's handle this last half here about Ruth clinging to Naomi and Orpah returning. What y'all got?
1: Well, I think we need to talk too about the Moabs. And um, you know, the reason why we're focusing in on Ruth is because she makes an appearance in the genealogy of Christ in Matthew mm-hmm. 1-5. That, uh, that this is a, just such a beautiful picture of how God is unchanging and that his character has been the same throughout the history of his relationship with humanity. Um, Matthew and his gospel has two main objectives. That uh, The first was that the gospel is a very Jewish story, that, um, that it's a Jewish revelation steeped in the covenant and the promise and the fulfillment of the law. And the second focus is to show that the gospel is a message for all people and not just Israel. So we expect the Messiah to have people like King David in his lineage, that uh, that he should be descended from kings and queens and the greatest people in Israel. But Matthew 1.5 shows that that's not always the case, that Ruth and, and Tamar and these other women, Rahab, were in his lineage. Um, they were Gentile women, they were from people groups, um, not just Gentiles, but specific groups that were called out by name in the Old Testament as cursed. So Ruth was a Moabite, um, and this is a tribe that was traced back to Lot and his daughters after Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a very shameful start for this people group. Um, Moab was a constant antagonist in Israel's history. Um, Numbers fifteen says, you know, uh, that it was the Moabites that first introduced the people of Israel to Baal worship. Um, they were the ones who hired the pro- prophet Balaam to curse Israel as they were um, entering the Promised Land. Um, so it was this this uh, uh, idea that they were unclean and unhospitable, and they were to forever remain separate. Deuteronomy 23 says they shall never enter the assembly of God.
0: Even up to the 10th generation. Right, 10th generation. Mm
1: -hmm. So clearly that was not the case with David, that he's only three generations removed from Ruth, and for him to, um, you know, this is not just the grandmother of King David, it's the ancestor of Jesus. So God is constantly subverting the status quo. Um, he is always surprising. This redemptive plan that he's woven shows again and again that people receive grace, that, uh, that being obedient to the law isn't always the same as being righteous.
0: So, when we see people, we, see, we should always see people who are potential recipients of God's grace. And I think this also speaks to we tend to brush entire people groups with one brushstroke. You know, say, so all those, those Moabites, you know, they're all bad apples. Well, no. We see Ruth here who is just an outstanding character her mm-hmm. commitment to Naomi and, and that would, would come forward um, repeatedly in this text mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to, to say, you know what every person is a recipient of
2: God's grace. Dave, what are you thinking? So I love you know I love verses 16 and 17. I, when I do a, a wedding, I quote that passage as a part of that to talk about the love that, that a couple has for each other that they're willing to leave wherever they came from and cling to each other to hold on to each other. It's very poetic but but more than that I think there's something that Ruth saw in Naomi and her relationship with God that was so significant that she said I, I don't know if I'm going to be provided for with, with my people I know there's some compassion that God has and I know enough about Probably from hearing from her husband, probably from hearing from Ruth and, and or from Naomi and from her, from her husband, from her father-in-law, the stories of Israel, how they provided for orphans and widows when they were distressed, and so she said, "I'm going to go there."
1: Mm-hmm. And Elimelech's name, you know, Naomi's husband who passed away, means "God is King." But mm-hmm. I think you alluded to the idea that they left Israel. They were leaving God's promised land. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and in the story of Jonah, we, you know, we get a lot of that ascent language into Israel and descent when you're walking away from God and trying mm-hmm. to avoid God and, and um, leave his, his calling. Um, it's described as going down. So uh, Elimelech, we don't know a lot about him. You know, he was trying to provide for his family, but we kind of know that he didn't trust God that that um, that he felt like he could kind of take things into his own hands and and leave Israel, leave Judah, and leave Bethlehem, and and you know he found himself in the Moabite land. So he gave his sons Moabite wives, which was disobedient to God's plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Naomi, um, she kind of understood that she needed to get back to Judah. That there was that call that that even if she felt some responsibility for leading her, her family and her, her sons and um, to disobedience in God, that she needed to reconcile to God, that she heard that there were things happening in Judah, that there was bread being found, that God was providing for his people, that she was humble enough to go back um, mm. it, because she longed to be back with God again. And it was that, that great character that Ruth saw in her, mm-hmm. um, really showing us that we can be a light and reflection to those around us, and bring other people to God through the kindness that we show other people.
0: Yeah, it's another another echo with Advent that, you know, the hero of this story, uh, whether you look at it as Naomi or Ruth, it's it's a woman, and the hero of the Advent narrative, the incarnation is is Mary, and uh, even with Mary, there were some you know morally questionable things a virgin who's you know an engaged woman who's already pregnant there's there's a lot of people that would question that mm-hmm. but it's it's she's the hero of the story mm-hmm. as as our Naomi and Ruth. Yeah
1: and again it's that subverting of what you think right. is going to happen that the lowliness of of a virgin woman like Mary or the lowliness of a widow who was the lowest and the low of society um, those are the people that God chooses because he's so wonderfully surprising.
2: That's right. I also love that this passage, I, I hope I'm not jumping ahead of you. No, <laughs> um, jump, jump on in. Uh, as, as the passage progresses, it goes from a very dark place mm-hmm. where, where everyone has died. There's no sense of provision. There's no sense of, of, of covering anymore. Naomi is changing her name to, I'm bitter now. Why, why are you calling me blessed? I'm just uh, I'm not doing well. To this, this murmuring, the, these rumors of, hey, there's, there's bread, there's grain that's in Judah. We can go there the as they return people are excited in judah and in bethlehem that here comes naomi back to them and even then at the end it says that it's it's the time of the barley harvest it's just the beginning of that Mm -hmm. yeah so there's there's little murmurs of hope in the middle of this place of desperation
0: if if this were a sitcom this would be this would be the cliffhanger of season one you know (laughs) that that, no doubt that, that here's this barley harvest okay something new is happening Uh, where where the message is going to rest, and if you're teaching this, I I don't have any specific guidance, but um, bottom line, Naomi looks at her life, and in verse 13 she says, the Lord's hand is turned against me. Now, I don't want to invalidate her feelings. I think it's very important. That's what she felt. I think it was good, as we've learned in the, the One Minute Pause app, You know, name your feelings and invite God into those feelings, whatever they are. But even though that's what Naomi's feeling, she's dead wrong. God's hand had not turned against her. In fact, in the middle of her pain, mm-hmm. that's how his plan would be fulfilled. And so I think that's a good application for all of us that when we are at our lowest, God is at his, be- at his best. He's, he's actually fulfilling his plan even when we're in um, pain in the moment. And so God's hand had not turned against her. In fact, God's hand was on her as we're going to see. So I don't want to squelch her emotions because that's how I would feel too. But God is up to something. Mm. And that's th- that's where the rest of this story is going to go, the rest of this account. Okay, so uh, looking over the chapter as a whole, I think we need to kind of wrap it up. We got long-winded today, didn't we? <laughs> we when we started this podcast, we said, okay, we're going to stick to 20, 25 minutes. Oh, we just keep blowing Well, let the Spirit
1: that. lead. We're good. Yeah.
0: What? what are you talking about? This is a Baptist <laughs> church. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, boy. Dave's getting Bring all Bring those levels down. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so just any, anything else you're dying to say. Of course, this is uh, that, that famous line from Ruth, you know, I will not leave you or turn back. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. This is a, uh, this is a picture of a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is, Ruth is burning the ships, you know, behind her. I'm going with you. Whatever happens, even if it means death, I'm attaching my life to you. And that's a picture of covenant, and our covenant with God is, mm-hmm. is reflected here in Ruth's covenant with Naomi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Y'all got anything else you're just dying to say?
1: I think just that, um, you know, oftentimes we think that we have to live a perfect life or, or display how God has blessed us or, or honored us um, in order to um, reach other people, in order to evangelize. But Naomi did that by living very, very authentically. Like you said, her life was devastating. Um, She's very much a Job figure in that she had so much, and then it was all taken away from her. Um, She did not have an easy life, um, but still she honored God through all that. So even when um, life deals us blow after blow, we can still show other people, we can still radiate God's love and show other people what it's like to have his peace. And have um, trust in Him by the way that we honor and love God through our difficulties, and that was so striking to Ruth that she made this covenant with Naomi. Um, that that's what drew her to Naomi was her yeah. authenticity.
0: Yeah, I, my favorite quote is Paulo Coelho. He said, "The world is changed by your example, not your opinion." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we see we see a pretty good example here in Naomi. Dave, what you got?
2: You know, I. I would honestly wrestle with, as a community group, what do you do? Ask the question, what, what do you do when life seems dark, when life seems hopeless, when you feel like you've lost sight of God and everything is, is crumbling down on you? How do you find God again in the middle of that place? For Naomi, in spite of everything else that she, she understood, she went back to the promised land. I think for us, we can find tools, and maybe, maybe as a group, you can find some new tools that you didn't have before, for when you're struggling to hear God's voice, or you're struggling to respond to God, you can find something from someone else what they do to approach God and yeah. get closer to ah, Him.
1: I like that. Go back to where God's people are.
2: Yes, we're not going to
1: find those answers on our own. But go, go back, back to where to God's community. people are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well,
0: that's good. <laughs> and and to echo what we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago, we we need the shepherd, and we need the sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we need don't don't abandon the shepherd when you need him most. And don't check out from the sheep when you need them most. Because mm-hmm. if we get separated from the flock, we are easy pickings.
1: Yeah. And just the, the idea that the women of Bethlehem, I'm sorry, I know we were wrapping up. No, it's okay. But the women of Bethlehem were so excited to see Naomi. There you go. That she kind of expected to have her tail between her legs. Like, I've failed. Look how, look how rough my life is because of the choices I've made. And they didn't dwell on that. They were just so excited to have her home.
0: So that would be an application for a community group. First of all, if you're listening to this and you've wandered away, come home. Mm-hmm. Second, if you're a part of a community group and you've seen some people that, that you want to reach out to, invite them to come home too, because it's, it's easy for inertia to just take us slowly away. But then when those people do come back, um, don't go, well, where have you been? You know, mm-hmm. and embarrass- Welcome them, because we, we need one another. Mm-hmm. We need one another. Let's go back to the beginning.
2: And if you don't have a community group... Send me an email.
0: I will help you find a community group. There you go. And if you don't have a community group, I'm going to launch one in January for introverts. Um, I know this sounds funny; everyone laughs. But but I know what I'm talking about, people. This is going to be good. Uh, if you if you're more of an introvert and that and it's scary for you to step in, then reach out to me. You can sign up online. And,
2: and I will not be there. Because I'm an extrovert. Dave will <laughs> not scare everyone away.
0: Dave will not be welcome. He will oh, no. he will not be welcome in the room. Dave is
2: an extra extrovert.
1: <laughs>
0: he's an extra, he's an uber extrovert. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's all we've got for for scene one, the first Sunday of Advent, uh, Ruth, chapter one. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, and may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.
2: Amen.